I love that. <laughs> it starts us off on a great yeah. note. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of Outside the Arena with Mac and Griff. I'm Griffin Senek, joined by my co-host, Mac Ramo. And today, we're going to be talking some NBA. That's right. Um, kind of a quiet week once again in sports besides the NBA playoffs. We've seen some MLB action, but nothing crazy. We obviously also saw uh, Logan Paul take on Floyd Mayweather. They went the distance eight rounds. Pretty interesting, uh, you know, exhibition there. Um but we're not going to get into that. There's not too much to talk about with that kind of stuff. So we're going to cover the NBA. But before we start, everyone, make sure to subscribe, like this video as well. And to go over to our second channel, we posted the video this week. We're back on the second channel, OTA Clips. Oh, wow. it, would, it had been almost <laughs> two – it would have been over two months um, yeah. since we had posted. But we posted this week, Julio Jones uh, trade review and whatnot, discussing our thoughts on the trade and the fantasy impact as well. So make sure to go check that out over there, OTA Clips. And also check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify outside the arena there. I know Mac will talk about that as well in his yep. outro, but may as well put that in now. But today, the main storyline is the NBA playoffs. So Mac, I've talked a lot here. Which series? Uh, we're going to cover the second round. Obviously, the first round wrapped up. We didn't talk about some of the finishes, um, but maybe we'll work our, our way into some of those um, discussing the second round. But Mac. I've talked a lot. Which second round series do you want to start with? And why don't you give us a little uh, talk about what your thoughts so far on the series? How about let's talk about the Bucks versus Nets first. Nets right now, they are up two to one over the Bucks. Game one, the Nets go in. They win that game 115 to 107. Durant, 29 points. Irving, 25. And in the beginning of that game, we saw Harden go down, got injured, and wasn't able uh, to finish out that game. And the Nets, they were still able to put up points. They were able to win this game. For the Nets, uh, Joe Harris also had 18 points. But for the Bucks overall this series, the struggle for them is putting up points. Game two, they lost 125 to 86. And then in game three, they won that game, but they scored 86 points. They're not able to get points. And you're really relying on Giannis to lead the way. In game two, he scored 18 points. Uh, and in game three, Drew Holiday, in order to win this game, he had to come in clutch with 11 seconds left get that layup, and that's what put them over the edge to win that game. They were up 21. They started to fall behind in game three, but overall, uh, the Bucs are able to come back. But so far, it hasn't been looking that good for the Bucs. Those first two games, they struggled defensively. Game three, they got together, and they were able to hold the um, Nets down. But overall, the Bucs, they are not looking too good right now defensively. You have to find a way to stop um, the Nets as you did game three. It's not looking so hot for them, so we're going to have to see how they could uh, continue out the series and if they could finish things off well. Yeah, I mean, it's been a, a good back-and-forth kind of series so far. Game three was obviously pretty important um, for Milwaukee to win, and they, they got it done. It was a very good defensive matchup. But right now you look at Brooklyn, um, obviously they took it to Celtics after that you know 50-point game from Tatum pretty easily. They're without James Harden right now, but it hasn't really affected them too much. You look at game one and game two, I mean, this team's putting up 115-plus, and, and game two is really a massacre. I mean, that was a game where we saw the Bucks just kind of fall apart. They collapsed. And, I mean, we saw Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving really take off here. And, I mean, that was key. You know, game three, they just couldn't get the offense going. And, and you look at the game against the Celtics, which they lost, you know, things just went right for, um, you know, the Celtics. And is this going to be one of those cases where the Bucs had a really good defensive game? This team is obviously very capable of playing good defense, uh, having two of the better defensive mm -hmm. players in the league with Giannis and, and Drew Holiday. But 
is it one of those games where, you know, the luck kind of just flew in the favor? I don't know if it's luck per se, but, you know, if Brooklyn gets the offense going, I think this team is is almost impossible to stop for this Milwaukee team. Definitely, I think Steve Nash has been, um, you know, challenged so far in the playoffs. He's obviously got all this talent, but as a first-time head coach, we saw in the final 11 seconds, like he brought up, just didn't really like the play call there. I mean, you're trying to get the ball to Kyrie Irving, which is understandable, but having Bruce Brown end up getting that final shot is not really something you want. You need guys like Kim Durant, Joe Harris, or Kyrie Irving, obviously. They need to be taking that shot. Bruce Brown, I did not like the shot selection. Um, Just particularly not a good decision, but alas, the Bucs won um, that game. They squeezed that one out, but you know, it was a, it was a good back and forth game. Game four is uh, tomorrow, Sunday. Um, so we're going to see what happens. Obviously it's a huge game for the Bucks. I think if the Nets win that one, I think everyone would, you know, feel comfortable yeah. saying the series is over. So Milwaukee's got to respond and, and for Brooklyn, they just got to get the offense back on track, which I have full confidence. They will. Um, we'll see how long Harden's out. If he comes back soon, that's great, but I don't think they're rushing him back. I feel like they feel pretty confident that, um, they'll be able to get the job done without him right now. Yep, defensively for the Bucks, as you said, Drew Holiday and Giannis, they have to play well. Offensively in game three, if Chris Middleton and Giannis could put up and combine points like they did that game, they scored 68, they're going to be in a good position to win some games and even potentially take this series. But right now, the Nets, their offense is looking good, even without Harden, as you said, and it's going to be very, very hard to stop. And going back to game two, the Bucks, they were not shooting well. Only made eight from three. They shot 44% compared to the Nets, 52%. Uh, just shooting-wise, they haven't been up. Uh, well, they've been subpar, to say the least, uh, for the past few games, but you're going to re- need to rely heavily on defense and get some of your star players to put some points up on offense if you want to take the series. Yeah, um, I agree. I think Giannis, you know, and Chris Middleton, that, that game three was huge for them. They really stepped it up. Giannis is struggling before, so so Giannis take that big step. But like you said, um, it's going to be a shooting a shooting game. Um, obviously, Milwaukee outshot the, the Nets in game three, but, you know, Brooklyn only got to the line eight times, too. So I feel like, you know, that's kind of an outlier for me. I don't think the Brooklyn Nets will ever be shooting, you know, eight or less free throws again. I mean, look at I guess they shot nine in game two, so maybe I'm mistaken here, but um, – yeah, they shot 25 in game one. I just feel like they're going to get to the line more, be able to produce more offense. So it's going to be interesting to see. And I, I like what you say. I think defense and shooting for, for Milwaukee, that's kind of the, the key thing right now. They got to get defensively to, to have a chance, like you said. That, that's the key. If they can't stop them defensively, they're not going to outshoot them. We know that for sure. Yep. So I guess from one two-to-one series, we'll go to the next two-to-one series here, and that is the Hawks versus the 76ers. 76ers are currently up. Two to one game one. The Hawks won at 128 to 124, but since then it has been all 76ers. The Hawks, they're really relying on players like Trey Young, who's been leading the way in every single game. Game one, 35 points. Game two, 21 points. But it's nowhere, they're nowhere near uh, where Joel Embiid and the 76ers are the past two games. Joel Embiid and Harris just yesterday combined for 49 points. Game one, Joel Embiid had 39 points. It's just too hard to stop Joel Embiid in this offense, and they're struggling to keep up with them. You can't rely on Trey Young uh, for an entire game. You need entire game, excuse me. You're gonna need players like John Collins to come in and get involved if you're gonna want, want to win some of these games. And especially at the end of the game, you can't put yourself in a hole like you did yesterday, where you're forced to start coming back, getting a run, and unable to capitalize and continue that run. It's just not gonna work if you want to come um, back and take the series. The 76ers, they're in a great spot right now. Offensively, they're playing great. And defensively, they're playing good enough to beat the Hawks. 
Yeah, I think, you know, like you said, the Sixers obviously here are the much better team, and, and that's well known here. I mean, this Philadelphia 76ers big three, extremely talented. And you look at the Atlanta Hawks, Trey Young has been phenomenal. He's established himself um, on the main stage as one of the top premier mm-hmm. young talents in the league right now. Um, obviously, he'll always get compared to Luka because of that trade, but Trey Young has, has you got to give him respect. He's built him himself a, a very strong case um, as a very, you know, he's a star, he's a superstar. Um, and, you know, we'll continue seeing that. Right now, the Atlanta Hawks, uh, the, the key for this team as it was against the Knicks is their shooting. Um, you look at guys like Danilo Gallinari, um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, Kevin Herter. These are the guys that need to be making shots. That's what we saw against the Knicks. These were guys that, you know, were really deadly. And, I mean, just looking at the stats from yesterday's game, which was a really rough game for the Hawks, they shot 26% from three. That cannot happen, especially in Philadelphia, shot near 50%. And I know, look, we've talked about basketball a lot, and we love focusing on the percentage of shooting, but that's the key. you got to make your shots to win these games, and you got to play good defense, and rebounding is honestly the key. Atlanta can't really out-rebound the 76er team with Joel Embiid. I just don't think it's – you know, you do have Clint Capella and whatnot. Um, I guess they rebound them together. I should have looked at that before. But so far in the series, I mean, Philadelphia has not really won the rebound battle. So I'm going to stop talking about rebounds here. I'm going to talk about shooting. Atlanta has got to get the shooting going. That's That's been the stable of this team. You're built around the three-point ball, and they haven't really succeeded. We saw game one, this team was very successful from the three. 42%, they made 23s. And I remember talking to some people, and they said, yeah, that's going to be the outlier. The Hawks beat us by four, and, you know, we sh- they shot 23s. And they're absolutely right. Since then, Atlanta has cooled down from the three. 76ers have adjusted. And Atlanta, since then, has, you know, shot no more than 36% from the three. So they've done a really good job. Atlanta defensively is, you know, it can be exposed. You got Trey Young on the floor against some of those young guards, or not young, but, you know, talented shooter, perimeter shooters, Danny Green, Seth Curry, Corkmans has played well. You've got Thibel there. I mean, they've got so much depth and so many great options for Philadelphia that it's kind of a defensive nightmare for this Atlanta Hawks team. So for the key for them, if they want to get back in this series, I think if they lose another, if they lose game four, the series is over. Um, just because they, they're not talented enough to win three in a row, I don't think, against Philadelphia. So I think the key for them, they got to shoot the ball well. That's, that's the staple of this team. That's what they're built around. And, you know, if you don't shoot well from three, you're not going to have success. Clint Capella needs to be an X factor as well. If he can have success against Joel Embiid, this is going to be a very scary team. Definitely missing DeAndre Hunter's presence right now as well. Yep, as you said, Hawks relying and need to start relying on their shooting. You have players like Trey Young, John Collins. You need to be able to shoot the ball well like you did in that game one if you want to beat the 76ers. The Sixers, they're going to put up points. We all know that. Joel Embiid, you have Seth Curry. You have all these guys going to be able to put up points and score. So it's really just a matchup of who could score the more po- most points, who could shoot better. Those past two games, 76ers in game two shot 53%. The Hawks, 46 Game three, the 76ers shot 10% better from the field than the Hawks. You're not going to be able to win games if you're the Hawks, if you're giving up and uh, giving up a lot of shots and you're letting the 76ers shoot much better than you. Uh, you're going to have to play better defensively if you're going to want to put up a run against 76ers. But yeah, as you said, if the 76ers take a win here, I don't think uh, that the Hawks will be able to go and win three games straight to take the series. Yeah, the Hawks are in a bit of a tough spot. They've done well for themselves. Successful season, no doubt, getting to the second round by Seems like they're a little mismatched, but they got a game. So, honestly, the season, if they lose the next two, still a major successful season. Still a lot to look forward to for you Atlanta Hawks. Shout out to the A down there, as they like to say. Um, Pretty funny. 
Um, and, you know, it's good seeing the Hawks do well and whatnot. But moving on to the next series, we're heading over to the Western Conference. I want to start with the team that is up 3-0, and that's the Phoenix Suns. We obviously saw this team take down the Los Angeles Lakers, which kind of became a mess at the end. Anthony Davis was all over the place. He was not healthy. And they had, you know, LeBron was, you know, seemed like he just didn't want to be there. It was kind of a mess. So Lakers going to have to rebound. But the Suns up 3-0 on the Nuggets. The Suns team has been so spectacular and really led by Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden, as well as Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder has played particularly well in these playoffs, specifically in the Lakers series. He's been fantastic for them. But Chris Paul, obviously, as well, has made a huge impact on this team. The Chris Paul effect, as people like to say, the Phoenix Suns. Mac, I mean, this has been a fantastic team. Chris Paul has really been spectacular. Devin Booker, spectacular. DeAndre Aiden, spectacular. For the Nuggets, they're just missing Jamal Murray. It's a tough spot to see the MVP go down 3-0. What are your thoughts on the series? The Phoenix Suns, an underdog now looking like they're going to the Western Conference Finals, and it's almost a lock at this point, I would say. Yeah, I think we need to have Roman here to come in and hide <laughs> his Phoenix Suns up. We know all about his guy, D-Book. But, yeah, the Suns, they are rolling, and I don't see it stopping anytime soon. Game one, they won 122 to 105. Jokic, he led the Nuggets with 22 points, but outside of him, there's really no one that's been able to step up and help contribute and put up points on offense and help out defensively. And as you said, Chris Paul, uh, excuse me, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton and Bridges in game one, they all had 20 plus points. You're getting all these guys get open shots and take all these shots. They're spreading the ball out. It's not one or two guys carrying the team. You're having a lot of guys going out and putting up points on the board you're gonna have to be able to stop this offense if you want to win some games against the Suns and right now it's not looking good for really any team in the NBA in that game one the Suns made 17 free throws compared to the Nuggets five they're capitalizing on the free throws they're getting to the line more and they know how to capitalize and get points game two once again they win by 20 not not again by 20 plus but they won 123 298 Jokic led the team once again with 24 points for the Nuggets Nuggets they really have no impact scores outside of him and need more from Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon if you're going to want to have help to win some games and somehow you'll need a miracle if you want to win this series but Paul Booker Aiden and Bridges once again they all combine for 15 plus Sun shot 48 compared to the Nuggets 40 in game two. You're getting a lot of good performances by a lot of guys. And then game three, when the Suns won 116-102, to this is where you're really seeing Devin Booker and Chris Paul lead the way for the Suns. They combined for 55 points. And then on the other end for the Nuggets, you had Monte Morris who stepped up uh, to help Jokic out. He had 21 points. Jokic had 32 the Suns shot 12% better from the field and made eight more free throws. Right now, it's hard to stop the Suns if they're shooting this well, and I don't see it stopping anytime soon. Phoenix has been uh, so spectacular this season. Um, I mean, you just look at their roster. It's a very good team. They're big three, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre, and they can go up with any big three in the league, maybe the Nets, but, you know, are, are above them. But at this point, this, this Phoenix team is a very deadly team. They've got great depth, like you've talked about. Campaign has been spectacular in these playoffs especially with Chris Paul ailing that guy has been putting up great minutes Cam Johnson's great as well but you look at like McCall Bridges Jay Crowder like we've mentioned they've been playing great basketball and that's how you round out that's how you have a great starting five you have your three superstars you have two spectacular players as well I mean this Phoenix team has been so fun to watch and you feel for Nikola Jokic because if Jamal Murray's playing on this team this might be a completely different series Jamal Murray we saw him last year in the bubble you can say oh the bubble you know, whatnot, it's fraudulent or, or whatnot. But, you know, Jamal Murray's, uh, you know, a, a young 
evolving star in this league. It sucks that he's out because I think the Nuggets would really be potential favorites in the Western Conference with the roster they have right now. I mean, you look at Jokic last night, putting up 32 points, 20 rebounds, 10 assists. I believe that's only been done three. That was the third time that a player's had 30 plus points, 20 plus rebounds, 10 plus assists in a playoff game. It's incredible what he's doing. You see how talented this guy is and, you know, well-deserving of the MVP, but just an unfortunate situation. You mentioned the the bench pieces and the backup pieces, not really playing right now up to, up to level. Michael Porter Jr. He stepped up in the first round. He put up great minutes. Second round. He's just been all right. He has to be that second superstar kind of option. Like the Suns have, they have three spectacular players at the front. You look at the Nuggets right now, they have one spectacular player and another who's very good but hasn't been that spectacular, in my opinion, in this series. I think there's room for him to be up there. Aaron Gordon, bit of a disappointment. I mean, he only put up four points and four rebounds last night for a guy that you're paying a lot of money to and you traded for and you need him to step up. It's not very good. So for Denver, it's looking bleak. Jamal Murray's injury is plaguing them. The ghost of Jamal Murray has, you know, it's haunting them right now. But for Phoenix, it's a well-rounded team, very good team. And I look forward to seeing what they can do in the next round as it appears, but never say never, but moving on to the last series, unless you have any thoughts on uh, that series to share. I think, I think that was it. Suns just keep putting up points. It's going to be very hard to stop. And I see him going all the way to finals right now. It's very possible, but the team that might be able to stop him, led by Westchester superstar, Donovan yep. Mitchell, as well as, as well as a, uh, a major Mets fan as well. Um, always tweeting about the Mets and, and Jake Duran particularly last night. Spectacular. I had to throw that in there. But the Utah Jazz have played good basketball. Two very close wins over the Clippers. And Donovan Mitchell, as he has all playoffs, has been incredible. 45 points in game one. And I believe it was 37 points in game two. Yep. I mean, this is just one of the all-time scoring tears right now. He's averaging 40-plus in this series. This guy can't be stopped as well as you have that three-time Defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, the COVID meister himself, coming in and playing great defense. This team is very tough to beat. You have the sixth man of the year as well, Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles there. I mean, this team is unstoppable right now. Mike Conley's been out, and they're still winning, Mac. The Utah Jazz, man, this might be the team to beat right now in the Western Conference. I know we love the Phoenix Suns right now, but Utah Jazz might be, might be that team right now. <laughs> they very well could be. As you said, they're up to the – Two to nothing. Donovan Mitchell, man. This kid is on another planet. He is so good. You don't have this guy. This team is completely different. You don't have this guy. You're not winning these games. Donovan Mitchell is a force, and he's the reason why they're going to make it far in the playoffs. On the other end, for the Clippers, in game one, you had Kawhi Leonard, who led the Clippers with 23, Paul George with 20 points, 10 assists. But all these guys, it's just – I think even these three guys, it's really not comparable to Donovan Mitchell and what the Jazz have right now. Reggie Jackson, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, game two, they combined for 77 points, but who cares if Donovan, Donovan Mitchell's dropping 37, Jordan Clarkson's dropping 24, the Jazz are shooting 8% better from the field and 15% better than th- from the three-point line. You're not going to be able to outscore this team. They're shooting better, especially with Donovan Mitchell. We're going to keep bringing up his name. He is a star, and the Clippers, they're in for a treatment. The team I had going to the finals – is not looking so good right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had the Lakers going there, so my team went down pretty quick. But um, <laughs> like you said, I mean, this Jazz team, it's, it's a very underrated team um, just because, you know, the average NBA watcher, honestly, myself uh, per se, 
you know, you know the main guys, you know, the LeBrons, the Currys, the Giannis, the Embiid, the, you know, the, uh, the Kawhi Leonard's of the world. But Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are two extremely underrated players that are finally getting that recognition right about now in, in these playoffs. And Donovan Mitchell, especially, I mean, he has been out of this world. He has gained a new world of respect from the NBA community, really, and, and as well as and I mean, every... And everything I see on Instagram from Stephen A. Smith is all about yeah, Donovan totally, Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, well, his take that he is the Donovan Mitchell is the greatest player to ever play for the Utah Jazz is outlandish. Um, honestly, it's incredible that I can't believe he said that. That's like a Skip Bayless take right there. Like the fact that he said he's yeah. better than, than the mailman or um, John Stockton. I mean, that's that's outrageous. I mean, we're not going to get into that today, but you know, obviously Donovan Mitchell very well could be better than those two, but those two are like legends in the game. So he's going to have to work his way up there. Not, not quite there yet, but mm -hmm. as soon as, you know, this guy came in the league, he led this Jazz team to the playoffs and he was dominant in his rookie year. And I think we're really seeing him turn it into another gear now. I mean, this kid is really sensational. We've seen Mike Conley have an all-star year this year. He had a resurgence. He hasn't even been playing, but when he's playing, I mean, they, there's a big three right there. Very underrated one, two, three all-stars, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, and Rudy Gobert, very good players, as well as the depth on this team is, is incredible. And we've seen that. Jordan Clarkson has been great. You know, Joe Ingles has been spectacular. You see those guys, and they're playing well. They have the other Bogdanovich brother, Bojan. He's a freak as well. I mean, this team's very good. But on the flip side for the Clippers, I mean, for me, the Clippers are just kind of a mess. I mean, they can win games. They have a good team. But it's just a lot of, like, different guys that have kind of just were put together I mean, you look at this team, you got obviously Kawhi, you have Paul George, but then you look at the surrounding pieces, you got Pat Bev, Boogie Cousins, Marcus Morris, Serge Ibaka, um, Luke Kennard, um, Nicholas Batum. I mean, it, it's just all these, Reggie Jackson, I mean, all these random kind of guys, Tyron Luke coaching the team. I mean, it's all these guys who have had success, but coming together, it, it's just a weird bond. And, and it really, to me, seems like it hasn't worked. I mean, obviously they got bounced last year from the playoffs. And it's not looking good right now. I think Utah's going to take them probably. So for me, I, I think mm -hmm. the Clippers are going to have to, you know, reset this offseason. Kawhi Leonard, there's a good chance he might be gone. So this team is really going to have to, you know, be forced to look themselves in the eye. They've made some weird decisions, especially signing Kennard to that big deal and then not even playing him. He's getting minutes now, but they weren't even playing him at first. Marcus Morris, they signed to a big deal. I mean, Pat Bev, I mean, they made some weird moves to say the least. But for the Clippers, I think a reset might be necessary in the offseason. But right now, to me, they're just not on the level of the Utah Jazz, who have shocked me. They've shocked the world, um, and they, they've lived it up to their expectation. I know a lot of teams said they were kind of a, a team to bust, as well as the Suns, but those teams have played spectacular in these playoffs, and they've proved it so far. Yep. It's looking like we're going to have some good matchups in the next round. Looking like right now it'll be Suns, Jazz, and then 76ers and the Nets right now. A lot to look forward to, and you know right here – on outside the arena, we will be covering it when it happens. And I think with that, are we all good? Yeah, I got it. All right. So let's wrap things up here on outside the arena. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. As always, not only on this channel, but on our other channel, OTA Clips, where we post shorter clips, shorter episodes. And we just did our Julio Jones and some fantasy outlook uh, over there on OTA Clips. So make sure to go check that out. We'll be sure to link it down in the description below. Also, be sure to go and subscribe on Apple Muse, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Apple Music? We might be dropping an album. 
<laughs> maybe we'll drop that album, the the Mac and Griff outside we'll Yuri. We'll be on the deluxe of, of Culture Three, Culture Three deluxe. <laughs> you know, Billboard we'll Top One Hundred too. You you know where we'll be. But make sure to go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and subscribe to Outside Arena there. If you can't watch the video, it's easy. You just pull it up on your phone, listen to it in the car, whatever you're doing. An easier way to listen to our podcasts. Make sure to follow us on our Instagrams. That's the best way to reach out to us if you want to come on OTA Clips and just talk or just text us and reach out in general talk some sports. We'd love to hear from you guys. My Instagram is Mac.Rommel. Griffin's Instagram is Griffin Senek. And our podcast Instagram is Outside the Arena Podcast. So please feel free to reach out to us there. As always, stay safe, and we'll see you all next week on Outside the Arena.